0: and welcome back to another episode of The Crowning Moment. My name is Casey Gibson and today we have another special guest and she is going to introduce herself.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Sydney Park. I'm a graduate of Columbia University, a third year law student at Fordham Law School, but most excitedly, I am Miss New York as part of the Miss America organization.
0: That is so exciting. I'm so happy that you are here today to talk on the podcast. After watching Miss America, you were one of my people that I absolutely wanted to talk to. And just reaching out through Instagram, like you never know. I know other girls from other states have probably had hundreds of thousands of people just randomly messaging them on Instagram. And the fact that you replied absolutely made my day. So I just wanted to say that right off the bat. And starting off, with Miss America, the one thing that I like immediately grasped from just you being on stage was your talent. And that's what I want to start off with right off the bat is talking about your monologue talent at Miss America, because it was such an, like, an impactful thing. I've never seen someone deliver a monologue the way you did. And I've been to a lot of pageants in the past, whether it be The Miss America system or just national pageants in general, but I would like to hear what the behind the scenes of that was and how you came up with this monologue and did you have a coach for it or how did that go down for designing it as your talent for Miss America?
1: Sure. So I did an original poetic prose piece, which can kind of qualify as like a monologue category talent because I'm not singing and I'm not dancing. It's not to music. It's really just me Talking and saying words that I wrote myself. And so a lot of people in the Miss America community or any type of talent competition, you'll see a lot of eye rolls when it comes to those kinds of talents when they see it listed because they're worried it's gonna be boring, gonna be dull. And to win a talent preliminary award for a monologue a monologue category talent was so exciting. I actually started crying afterward. I'm on stage like holding my award, sobbing. (laughs) which I did not want to do, but I was so surprised that it just inevitably happened. And my poetry was always something that I really enjoyed doing. I love to write and I love to speak. I'm in law school, so writing and speaking are two things that I do a lot of. And as a lawyer, it's something that I'll do a lot of too. And I think things that we tend to forget about presentation and about public speaking is that so much of it is an art form and so much of it is poetry in its own special way. It might not rhyme, but it's still a performance. And so I've been writing since I was little. And this piece in particular grew out of that very famous moment with Senator Elizabeth Warren when people kept telling her when Senator Mitch McConnell kept telling her sit down, telling her sit down, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And that really stuck with me because I think as women we're always told to be quieter to be smaller, to sit down, to be reserved. And nowadays you see so many more women who are standing up for the things that they believe in and are refusing to be smaller and refusing to choose, I like to say, choose shorter heels because here we are standing as tall as we want to and really embracing the power that we have in our words and in our actions. And that's what I really wanted to convey in this poetry piece. So that's what was really important for me and I started kind of writing it many years ago and I really thought that this poetry piece was dead in the water because I was reading it and I hated the way it looked on the page. I hated the way I was kind of reading it in my mind. And when I decided to compete in a Miss America local, it was the very last local of the 2019 season. I kind of just decided to do it on a whim. I realized that the reason why this piece was so dead to me on paper was because it needed to be performed. And so Being able to take that poetry and do it on a stage and have that land for people was a really eye opening experience for me as a poet and as an artist. So that was just really exciting. And getting to take that to the Miss America stage and change a lot of people's minds on what poetry can be and what it can sound like and how powerful it can be was a really momentous thing for me to be able to experience.
0: Like you said, with it being on stage at Miss America, Did you ever feel at any point that having your talent compared to others, did you feel like it may have possibly not been enough or it could have, you know, you see the girl with the electric violin, which is something I had never seen before. I didn't know an electric violin was a thing. Like, how did you, did you ever have that moment of like almost comparison of like a push and pull of, is this going to be enough? And then without even knowing that you were going to win a a talent prelim at Miss America. Like, did you ever have that type of moment?
1: Oh, I had that moment pretty much every minute leading up until the moment that I walked on to stage. Because you know that the 50 other women who are there are fantastic. And they were the best in their states. And they're here at Miss America. And they're playing violins, they're singing arias, they're dancing and jumping higher than I could ever jump. And I'm talking. And it's almost, and you're thinking to yourself, what did I get myself into? I'm saying words. Um, That can feel very like humbling in a way. But I think what I told myself was you have to believe in the power of what you're saying. And that's what I tell people who are interested in doing monologues, doing poetry, is that the audience is only going to respond and respect what you're doing so long as you respect what you're doing. Because so many of us kind of think of like, well, I can't sing and I can't dance, so I might as well do a monologue. And when you go in with that mindset, it's like, well, of course no one's going to respect the monologue if we're all kind of like, this is a trash talent. So instead, I really wanted to just go out there and remind myself that the words I'm saying and the things that I'm doing matter and they have weight to them. And so giving myself the little kind of push that I needed to just be like, you deserve this and you deserve to be respected and you deserve to be heard. And I kind of had to give myself that pep talk beforehand. And this was something that came up in my, in my private interview with the judges, too was we were talking about self-confidence and how do you get there. And that's something that I've had to learn through the Miss America organization is really that aspect of self-confidence, of knowing that you deserve to be in places that you've worked so hard to be in. And what I said was we're all going to have those knee-jerk reactions where we don't think we belong and we don't think that we're good enough. But the reaction that comes after that knee-jerk reaction, the actual rational thought has to be the stronger voice that says, no, you do deserve to be here. The thing that you're doing is worthwhile, and people are going to respect it so long as you respect it. And so long as you respect yourself enough to give yourself the value and the worth that you know you deserve. And people will respond to that. So that's really what I was thinking. And you know, I came off of that stage after doing my my sister texted me right afterwards. She was like, that sassy chair tap was everything. <laughs> and I kind of came off the stage on preliminary night one. And, you know, I sat down at my at my little desk dressing room table and I got ready to go back on. And, you know, I just kind of thought to myself, you know, you just did the best possible performance you could have done. And however the cards may fall, I was really happy with how it went. So I didn't expect to win anything because a monologue category talent has never won a prelim talent award. So there was no reason for me to believe that it would, would have been me. Um, and, you know, but I was fine with that because I knew that I did what I set out to do. And that was to show that poetry can be powerful and it can be powerful in this setting. That is amazing.
0: And like you said, like, this is something that, you know, had never, you know, won a talent award before. And so what was it like, like that exact moment when they called your name for the talent award? I know you said that you, you cried afterwards, but was it almost like a shock or was it like a sense of like? Like a, wow, I just succeeded. Like, I just did that.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I haven't watched the recording, but I do remember standing there. I'm in the very, very back of the rows, um, and I remember standing there, and in one side of my brain, I hear them say, the recipient of the talent preliminary night one and a $2,500 scholarship is Miss New York, Sydney Park. On the one side of my brain, I hear that. And on the other side of my brain is they did not just say your name. That was not you. They said a different name. I don't know what name it was. You zoned out. I, <laughs> you're just making things up. And so there was a probably a good second where I'm just standing there trying to figure out, do I walk forward? Because I wasn't entirely convinced that I had heard them correctly. And finally, someone was like, go. <laughs> so I finally made my way up there. Um, it was so exciting. And it was just out of this world surprising. And my one of my prep directors who had helped me, he hadn't helped me with the talent because he was like, I don't know anything about performing poetry. Like, I'm not going to touch this. It was perfect as it was at state. You do what you have to do. I know you know what you need to do. And he was... Outside of the auditorium, because even he was like, "She's not going to win a talent prelim award. Like, it's a poem. She's not going to win." And he screamed when he heard it and ran back inside the auditorium and was like, "That's my, that's my Miss New York." And it was such an exciting moment. And what's funny is that my parents, who are very new to this because I only started competing in 2019, and they kind of are very supportive but the, the aspects of what's important in this competition don't really click with them quite really. So they were like, oh, that's nice. She won an award. And my director was like, you know, that's 50% of her score, right? Like that's, this is a big deal. And this is the first time a poem has ever won. And my parents were like, oh, how nice. <laughs> So I just think that's great. And, you know, it really keeps you humble when your parents are like, good job. Yeah,
0: here here is your participation award. Good job. (laughs) I love that. That is so funny. So like you said, you just started competing in 2019. So was this time doing Miss America your first
1: ever pageant? Did my first Miss America local in 2019. It was the tail end. It was one of those sweepers that they're kind of just handing out titles and hoping that you'll go to state And I did. And I had so much fun. I was first. And that year I was first runner up to Lauren Malello, which was really exciting. And I love Lauren. I think she is the best person. And being first runner up was probably a really good thing for me because I learned so much from just watching her through her year and what she was able to accomplish. And I modeled a lot of the things that I wanted to accomplish as Miss New York after the things that she was doing. And So when I eventually won in 2021, because 2020 was canceled, I knew that I had a big legacy to live up to. Um, Miss New York has had a legacy of success at Miss America, and it's a great state to represent. And so all of those things were really heavy on my mind. Um, But before Miss America, I actually did one other competition as kind of a joke And my friend and I in college went to Miss New York, USA, which is very different from Miss America. And I remember having so much fun, but realizing that there was a little bit of a dissonance between what I wanted to get out of it and what I was getting out of that. So when I did a little bit of research into this beautiful, glittery world of pageantry, and I came across Miss America and what the phases of competition were and the changes that were being made and things that I would compete in, I realized that that was more in sync with who I was as a person and who I wanted to be as a candidate.
0: That's amazing. And so like you said, you had done USA as a joke. I did soccer on a teen USA when I was like 15. Honestly, it was such a humbling experience. But at 15, I had talked about I think it was my first episode I had on this podcast at 15, like, that's so hard to throw on a swimsuit and get in front of, like, thousands of people. And we were in one of the biggest auditoriums in South Carolina. And there was, you know, like, they had that year Marley Stokes, who is actually Miss South Carolina USA right now.
1: He was in the city with the owner of Canary Designs. And Canary had sent me a few pieces of clothing because I actually wore one of her dresses for my interview for Miss New York after that I... One, so in 2021, and so we kind of connected. And when they were in the city, we were like, "Let's all go out to dinner." And this was right before she was supposed to leave for Miss USA, so it was was exciting, and it was very funny to talk about the differences in terms of preparation and what we were doing and the phases of competition. So it's always really fun uh, to just see those differences and connect with other women who are doing other incredible things in their own ways.
0: And so that's so funny. But yeah, I was in it the year that Molly Stokes won. Those two pageants are could not be more different in such a good way because it just really depends, like you said, on what you want to align yourself with within the pageant world. And that's one of like the biggest things I have coming up on this podcast is a series about getting to know directors and the different national pageants that are out there and even... State pageants, like, you know, like the Miss America pageants, whether whatever state I want to grab, I haven't decided which state to reach out to. So if you want to get me in touch with your director, (laughs) that would be awesome. But I just, just reaching out and kind of finding you know, those different directors so everyone can hear the different types of pageants that are out there. And, you know, some may be really heavy in community service or like this America, they have a talent portion and somebody has, you know, a wonderful talent that they want to try out or even if they love swimsuit, they can do USA. And so it's hearing directly from these directors, you know, what's going on, what it's about and kind of what like the whole culture of their pageant is. And so just kind of helping people easily pick, okay, I like this one over this one because of X, Y, Z. And so it's just one of those like cool things that people can hear. And so like, that's funny that you guys actually got to sit down and talk about those differences because there is a drastic difference, especially between, I mean, interview and then them still having swimsuit, no talent portion. Um, That's another thing I wanted to talk about, about Miss America. And then I want to go back to your year as uh, Miss New York. But at Miss America, how did it feel not to actually have walked in an evening gown other than to the mic in the beginning. What was that? Because I know, like, I've been watching Miss America since I was five. Like, literally since I could comprehend, I have watched Miss America. That's just one of those things, as a pageant girl, you're just always watching those big pageants. But I'm so used to, you know, a few years ago when Davia Bunch was Miss South Carolina, maybe 2019, no, it had to be maybe 2018, 2017. Um, they had moved away from the traditional evening gown portion where it was, you know, the slow walking, Kennedy G music, like very slow, to more of like an upbeat fashion. And then they like said a little statement. So now seeing that they didn't even have the portion this year, what was that like for you? How did that feel?
1: So we did have onstage question in our evening gown, which was really great, in my opinion. Um, although answering a question about inclusive and accessible youth sports uh, in a glittering gold evening gown is something I've never done before. So that was really exciting for me and can check that off of my bucket list of things I never thought I would do. Um, but, you know, it was really, in my opinion, I think it's a really great move to have our opening number, get to show off these gowns that we feel represent who we are and makes us feel beautiful and glamorous. But I think every Miss America title holder can agree that the number of times that we find ourselves in gowns is pretty limited. And so being able to showcase the fact that we really aren't dressed up and all gorgeous with beading and all this, like, that's not our everyday. Our everyday is much more Business professional, our everyday is suits and cocktail dresses, usually, and those kinds of outfits and those kinds of looks. And, you know, I love the evening gown because who doesn't love evening gowns? I loved picking mine out. It took us many, many dresses to find the one that I ultimately walked on in. But ultimately, that's not really what the job of Miss America is about. And that's not what being a state title holder is about either. So shifting the focus away from that and saying, listen, we're actually much more about all these other aspects of a personal, professional person. I think that was a really strong move. And that's very clear in the direction that the competition is going.
0: You definitely just opened my eyes to an entire new perspective. When I had done Miss America play by play, um, I had done it with the Miss USA system too, just kind of Almost like a sports cast of like, oh, like, here's what happened. Here's how that came out. Here's what went down. And I did talk about the evening gown portion and how I was just, I was really sad because I know how expensive some of these dresses can be. I'm a person that I love an off-the-rack gown. My mom is like her own little custom seamstress and herself. So she redoes. We'll we'll find just like a $500 gown and she'll make it worth $1,200. It's just we don't like to, you know, spend like boo of money. But I know there are girls that had gone to the Gregory Ellenbergs or the Canary Designs and spent, you know, big money and not wearing them. But now how you say that is absolutely correct. Like you are not in an evening gown, you know, walking down the middle of Broadway. Like you're not like that's not happening. Like you aren't doing that on an everyday basis. So you definitely just changed my perspective on that a lot because that was one of the things that I did. Not so much like call out Miss America for, but just kind of question because I wasn't really understanding like why that wasn't there. And so you definitely just shifted my perspective in such a positive way that I wouldn't have thought even about, but you were so true about that. Awesome. Well, I'm glad. I could help. Yeah, absolutely. So let's kick back a little bit. So being Miss New York, you know, we have this lovely global pandemic going on right now. What did, you know, your year as Miss New York so far look like going through a pandemic in
1: the hotspot of New York? What was that like for you? It was and continues to be challenging. But one of the things that I think it really taught me in a way that I wasn't expecting, or at least not to the extent, was flexibility. And I think that's something that a lot of us learned. As a type A person, I love to plan. And I like to have my color-coded binders and make sure that my Google Calendar is always up to date. And you know, things were changing, shifting, being postponed, being moved up. And I just had to be willing to let go of the reins a little bit and realize that there are things that are outside of my control. And that was a really important growing pain for me to be able to say, okay, we're just gonna go with the flow on this one. Alrighty. And you know, it, it is an ever changing, ever evolving situation. And being able to respond to those things is something that we do as title holders being able to just go with the flow and know that your makeup's going to be smudged when you take your mask off. Like, that's okay. It happens. It's part of it. And so that was really important. And the other side of it that I think is, was really interesting for me traveling across New York. I've been many different areas of New York. It was one of my goals as Miss New York to not just be in the city. I really wanted to make it a point to go to the places that Miss New York hasn't in the past gone to just because they are far away from a lot of the places that many Miss New Yorks have called home. And seeing the difference in terms of just personality, population, like Miss Upstate, Downstate New York, we have different people with different opinions and being able to navigate those different responses to the COVID pandemic and being able to do that in a respectful way was something that I had to learn just because I have come from New York City, where we're all pretty much like fitness together and things are different upstate and things are different in other places in the country and in my own state. And so being able to navigate those conversations in a respectful way while maintaining my own safety and maintaining my own convictions was something that I learned and was something that really opened my eyes to different perspectives and being able to navigate those types of discussions in a respectful way as a representative of all of New York state and not just of the city of New York.
0: What would you say has been your favorite appearance that you've made? Um, If there was like any challenge with it, that's awesome too. But what do you think has been like your favorite one that you've done so far as Miss New York?
1: So I have a very funny story about an appearance. There have been a lot of really great appearances just by virtue of the fact that I live in New York City and we have some really great things that happen. But I think probably my absolute favorite was because of what happened beforehand leading right up to it. I had gotten, like, my teeth fixed because I drink a lot of coffee, so I ended up getting veneers, which I'm proud to admit that I have them. Um, I love them, and they don't stain as easily because I drink a lot of coffee and coffee stains. Anyways, that's not the main point of the story. The main point of the story is that before you get permanent veneers, you have temporary veneers while they're getting made, and they chip really easily. The problem is, is that if they chip, you cannot fix them yourself. So the morning of an appearance, I was supposed to go to Bedford Hills, which is this beautiful, bougie area north of Manhattan. And I was going to go walk in a fashion show up there for a new friend of mine. And that morning I was brushing my teeth and I chipped the very front veneer. So it looks like I had just a jack-o'-lantern smile. And my director, who was accompanying me to the event, showed up and was like, oh, my God. And we're both staring at each other. And I'm on the verge of crying. And he's like, it's It's It doesn't look that bad. And I was like, it looks that bad. Don't lie to me. It looks that bad. And he was like, Sydney, it's a random runway show in Bedford Hills, New York. Who is going to be there? Let me tell you who was there. I walk into this event, and who wants to take pictures with me but Martha Stewart, Don, Don Lemon, and Richard Gere from Pretty Woman. And here I am with the chipped tooth doing my best not to show anybody my teeth. So I'm smiling, I'm trying to like, cover the bottom half of my teeth with my bottom lip. And I'm just laughing because here I am talking to Martha Stewart, and I'm like, thank you, Martha, so much for being here. This is so exciting. And so now all I can think about is the fact that Martha Stewart and her grandkids met Miss New York, and I had a chipped tooth the entire time.
0: (laughs) That is honestly the best story I
1: have ever heard from a title holder that, like, the Martha Stewart, like... The Martha Stewart. And it's funny, because I was talking to her grandchild and her grandchild's friend. And they were just the two cutest little things. And they were so excited to meet me. And at one point, she was like, you should come have dinner at my grandma's house sometime. And I was like, I would love that. (laughs)
0: that is so awesome oh my goodness that is such an experience especially like living in new york i can only imagine like the unique types of appearances that you get to make like i mean you have new york fashion week there you have you know just random runway shows all the time there's so much just like culture in the city just so many different people from so many different backgrounds that it's i feel like it's just always an adventure and that's what i love new york i all through college right before christmas every year i would go to new york The city never sleeps, and it's such, like, a true statement. Living in New York would be such an exciting experience. I'm definitely, like, a
1: little envious. (laughs) It is funny because we, the day of our private interviews at Miss America, we were all just chit-chatting because we were all nervous, and most of our interviews were later in the day, so we were kind of just, like, hanging out, chit-chatting, and Holly Brand from Miss Mississippi, she was like, Sydney, how does it feel to live my dream of like being in New York City? And I was like, Holly, how do you feel about rats? And she was like, what? And I was like, because in New York City, there are about five rats for every person. And you will see them everywhere. And you will just have to exist with them because we coexist with the rats. We've just accepted that this is our life with the rats. And Holly, the look of horror on her face, she was like, you don't do anything about them. And we're like, we try. Oh, we try, but New York city belongs just as much to the people as it does to the rats. So just know that full well.
0: (laughs) That is so funny. Yeah. The last time I, one of my Snapchat memories is literally me in a subway and I'm videoing the ground before the subway comes through, and it's literally rats, just like running through. Like, on, I have that as a Snapchat memory. It pops up every year before Christmas, and I'm like, wow. So that's funny that you do mention that. That is hilarious. I know one of the girls, um, I think it was Iowa, said there were more pigs than people in um, in Iowa. And so now that's funny. Now in New York, I always remember, you know, there's there's lots of rats for people. <laughs> That <laughs> is that is too funny. Oh my goodness. Well, I'll reel it back again. Sorry. I I love getting off topic and talking about the of random things. But let's talk about again Miss America. What was it like? Because I mean when I did my play by play, like every word that you said on stage was in my play-by-play, by the way. <laughs> like I like wrote down, I was like typing as fast as I could during Miss America. Like I was it was like a full like MLA style paper. It was amazing. But going into it, so. You're out in the, the group of 10 ladies and you get called as the two out of it. What was that feeling for you? Because you're at the 100th Miss America. How was it
1: to make top 10? That was really exciting. And honestly, I feel a little bit bad. Those people who know me know that I'm like not a big hugger. I don't hug people really. Um, if I do hug you, it's either because you're a small child or I know you really, really well. So I don't really hug people. And so I'm watching this back and I was like, I look like such a jerk because I get called into the top 10 and I'm literally like, thanks guys. And then I leave. And <laughs> I was like, I should have, thinking back on it, I was like, I should have hugged someone. I should have looked at, some- but no, Sydney Park just smiled, gave like thumbs, and left. <laughs> and I realize it's because my first reaction to things is really not to hug people cuz i don't do that. And so i just i would like to apologize to everyone who was standing near me that i didn't hug you. Um if you're listening to this, i'm sorry. <laughs> but
0: no i never i never noticed that. Now that like looking back on, it, i never noticed it. My thought would have been like okay, she has x amount of time to get ready for the next competition. Like she's got to go cuz i know at like Miss South Carolina, America, they are like You have five seconds. You
1: better be ready. Like they are screwing. That was also a thought because I knew what was coming up next was talent. And I was like, I got to get into my suit. I have to find my chair backstage in the darkness. So those were definitely thoughts running through my head. And, you know, I have to admit, um, I ran backstage. They have a separate dressing room for the top 10 so that we have everything easily accessible. And I ran backstage and I like, looked at all the other names that they had brought over so I'd be like who else is joining me (laughs) so I knew before everyone else who was making the top 10 and I was very proud of that because I was like I knew you would be back here and they were like well of course you knew they would be back here you saw their names (laughs) I love
0: that oh my goodness okay so you make it to top 10 and you're all excited getting in the zone getting your chair also I didn't I forgot to ask what like how did you pick your chair that sounds like the weirdest question, but, like, with talents, like, I know a couple years back, one of them is Americas, I, was it Cara Mund, maybe? One of them had a chair in their talent, and I'm like, that is a regular fold-out chair. How did she pick that chair? So, like, I like to ask now, if somebody has, a, like, a type of prop in their talent, like, how did you pick your chair? <laughs> so,
1: this chair is actually borrowed from a very good friend of mine who was the first person that helped me prepare for miss New York, and so this chair has been with me since miss New York two thousand and nineteen um, and you know it was just it was the right size, it was the right shape, it was the right color, even because what we wanted was something that had some weight to it, some kind of a little bit of gravity to it, so when it was there, you noticed it uh and so this just happened to be the perfect chair, and it was really funny because before. I went to perform on prelim night one. My friend sent me a video of the other three chairs that he still has in his apartment. And he was like, her sister chairs are standing in salute. I was like,
0: Okay. That is so awesome. That is so funny. Yeah. I, that was my question. Like when you came on stage, uh, I had, I made my roommate watch it with me and she has never done seen pageants was not her thing. Like she didn't know anything about it. And I'm like in awe, like, her suit. Oh my God. The chair, like the chair. And it was just like, it was just a whole aesthetic. So I had to ask about that. So you're getting ready to go on for talent. What did you have? Do you ever like have like, you know, something you say, I know like singers do like different notes before, like what was your like
1: prep before you walked on to perform your talent at Miss America? So I listen to music before I perform my talent almost always. And The music that I listen to will actually affect the tone of the performance. Because I think if you look at the different times that I've performed this piece, sometimes it's really serious and a little scary and intimidating. And sometimes it's kind of sassy and smirky and snarky in a fun way. And so when I perform, the music that I listen to beforehand really affects what comes out on stage, because it just really gets you in a different kind of mindset. And so the night of finals, I listened to Cherry Bomb by The Runaways and um, Heart of Glass by Blondie. And so those were the two songs that really just got me pumped and ready to just be a cherry bomb on that stage.
0: (laughs) That is so awesome. That's what I always like to ask about that. Because I know like I, I was a dancer, and so, you know, preparing for it, I always have a, it honestly looks like a speed stick deodorant, but it's called Foot, and you can get it at, like, any sort of, like, REI or Dick's Sporting Good, places, like, sporting places, and, like, I mean, I would rub up my feet, even when I'm wearing my evening gown shoes, like, I always rub my feet with it, because it is, like, a non-sweat, it's almost, like, literally a foot deodorant, and so it just kind of, also, I think it numbs my feet a little bit, which I I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but like I always had that where I had like my tiger balm and I would rub it on my leg. So when I would, you know, do those long stretches, like I wouldn't feel like the intense pain that I was literally causing myself because I was like, I don't care what it looks like. I need the straightest leg I could possibly get. So that's interesting. I just like to ask that because just always everyone has their different, you know, like little get in the groove mojo thing. So I like that. So, you perform your talent. And I mean, killer. Literally, in my notes, I wish... Actually, I'm going to pull it up and show you. In my notes for your talent, I literally put killer monologue. And I just... I want to prove it because it was awesome. Where's my... There it is. (laughs) The first thing I click when I open Miss America 2022, it says, very awkward beginning. (laughs) That's the first thing. (laughs) Yeah. But I had... um, For yours, it says top 10. And then it said killer monologue. Like, that was... I had like notes for everyone, like every talent, it, it, when they skipped Alabama, it was skipped her question mark, question mark. And I
1: violin. <laughs> like,
0: that's what like, it's just, I always do notes like this. It's literally like, like a coach writing its playbook. Like that's literally, I'm like, okay, okay. I got to know what she did, how she did it. So that was funny, but I just, it was killer monologue. So you finish your monologue and you know, you get called the next. So you're going to top five. What was that like?
1: That was another crazy moment because at that time, you nobody knows who's going to get called into the top five, really. And I was just really, you know, what I had told people going into Miss America was the only thing I want to do and walk away with, the one goal I had was I wanted to perform my poetry on the Miss America final night stage. That was it. That was where I would be happy if I could walk away with that. And, you know, I walked away with a lot more than that, ultimately. But that so to make top five on top of that was just really exciting in a way that I hadn't planned for. And, you know, it is pretty funny because when else in my life am I going to be standing on stage And you can't see this underneath my suit. I'm wearing platform heels, like the tippy tops underneath my suit. So I look a lot taller than I am. (laughs) And there I am standing looking at three forever Miss Americas who are about to just grill me for two minutes about who knows what. And as I'm walking up, you know, I felt an enormous sense of just peace because I was like, this is not what I was expecting. This is what this is more than I could have asked for from this experience. And so getting up there and getting to share my own thoughts about youth sports, particularly, because that's what I was asked about specifically, was great. And it was very funny listening to me talking on the big screen and remembering all the things I was saying. And I was like, why did he say half those things? That sounds so dumb. But I, it was fun anyways. And I really, it was just a really great moment for me.
0: Absolutely. And I just... I want you to know, like, listening when you talk, you are such, I it may come from, like, the poetry background, but you're such a good, like, storyteller. The way that you would answer your questions, I mean, I was typing as fast as possible to write down every answer that you said, but just the way, like, like again, the delivery of how you speak is just amazing to listen to. And I like I want you to know that because it truly did come off I never thought like, oh my god, she's dumb. Like no, I never that was not a thought. I was typing as fast as I could because everything you said was golden. Like it was just such like you could tell that you had passion behind your platform and you know working with those kids. And that's something we haven't talked about yet. So would you like to tell a little more about your platform for those
1: that are listening who didn't get to watch Miss America? Sure. So my social impact initiative is one team empowering youth through sports. And really what it is about, it's an advocacy initiative above all else. And it's about trying to increase inclusivity and accessibility for youth sports. Primarily, I work with a lot of low income communities in terms of coaching and providing access to sports. I coach with two different teams. I've done work with South Bronx United, which primarily serves the communities in the south Bronx and then I work with a great initiative in New York City called Saturday Night Lights which provides soccer programs for kids on Friday and Saturday nights and this was done in conjunction with the Manhattan DA's office originally to try and address the rising number of kids who are being involved in petty crimes across New York so by providing them with access to sports providing them with a safe place to play sports a supervised place to play sports to do the things that they love it was actually having a really positive impact on the number of kids that we saw engaging in violent behavior. And so that was a really great program that I got to be a part of. And this past year that kind of shifted and changed a little bit to also include a lot of advocacy work for lgBTq plus athletes because this past year we've seen an enormous number of bills being passed and proposed across the United States that have sought to limit access for trans athletes in particular but lgbtq plus athletes more generally and so a lot of my work has revolved around that and working with some great national organizations who are doing that advocacy work now and you know through that I've had the opportunity to speak on Good Morning America, which was incredible that I had two and a half minutes of me just talking about inclusive youth sports. And so speaking up for those kinds of issues and really finding a way to create a more equitable society for everyone through sports was something that I was thrilled to have the opportunity to do and thrilled to continue to have the opportunity to do as Miss New York.
0: That is truly amazing, and I'm I'm glad that they do have someone that is, you know, putting their neck out, putting that extra, like, time in for them, and I just think that's so amazing, and I'm glad that, you know, that is not a, a platform that I have ever heard before of someone, like, you know, doing with the sports, and that's just really awesome. I thought that was something that, you know, definitely the viewers need to hear. That's what I really like, having, you know, such a difference in title holders on this podcast, so people can hear, you know. Just the hodgepodge of what everyone else is doing. And so it does help them kind of decide like, okay, what is something that I'm passionate about? Hearing from other people's passions. So I really appreciate you, you know, sharing that. And another question that I didn't get to ask when we were talking about talent was about TikTok. What <laughs> what was that like? Did you make the TikTok during Miss America week? Or was it made before? How did that happen? Because as a viewer, it was the one thing that I was really sad about this year, and by no means am I bashing the America system at all, uh, they didn't really explain what was going on. They just said like, okay, here's contestant number one, TikTok, like, and it just played. And so like, that's when I'm like, okay, thank God. Okay. Well, New York's going first. Cause I knew like you had, you know, been called. So I was like, okay, well, here we go. Let's do it. Let's rock and roll. But I just didn't understand what the TikTok was. I know it had to do with your, um, social impact statement, but how did that, did you make it at Miss America week?
1: So they told us about it prior to Miss America week. And I created mine pretty much after they told us. So a few weeks before, and they really just wanted something that was hip. And I say that because, and I say that with some hesitation because I am not super hip. Um, I'm like a 26 year old woman who is now on TikTok, uh, trying my best. And (laughs) but it was just funny, because I was, they asked us to do a a fun TikTok video. And I was like, sure, I can do the TikTok, whatever you need. And (laughs) so, you know, it was it was a fun experience for me to be able to talk about in 44 seconds, talk about my social impact initiative. And that was really the goal was to just have a fun way to give us an opportunity to talk about the things that we want to do or the importance of our social impact initiative. Because if you noticed in the final night competition, we didn't have a time besides that top five moment to talk about our initiatives. And so having that video aspect that kind of allowed for us to have more time for other things was a really great compromise, in my opinion.
0: I really like that they're now adding in, you know, the change that's happening around us. You know, TikTok has been such a huge thing in the past two years. During the pandemic, I myself am on TikTok. I had a few videos go viral. I had decorated my room at my parents' house, and I was shocked with how fast things on TikTok, the algorithms they have nowadays, insane. But that was something I was really just kind of interested to hear about, especially a lot of... The other people that like they would ask me questions like, okay, here's questions we'd like to hear about Miss America. And that was one of them is what really was the behind the scenes of why they did that. So I'm really glad that you're able to answer that. And we can hear firsthand really what happened at Miss America in in a positive way. And you've definitely, you know, changed my perspective on how I looked at Miss America this year. And I really do appreciate that. And again, I like to just appreciate you and thank you for being on this podcast I have one final question for you. Are you ready? All right. What way has pageants positively impacted you?
1: This is my favorite question because I, since a very young age, I have always loved weddings. And I am so excited because it's true what they say that you meet your bridesmaids at Miss America. And now I have been invited to be in the bridal party of like two other candidates who are not yet engaged nor planning on getting married anytime soon. But I'm glad I have my space reserved and I am fully confirmed to be in at least two weddings, which is very exciting. So the friendships is long end of that story. That is the most positive thing about my experience with Miss America. (laughs) I love that
0: answer. Everybody's answer is always so different for that question. Like I had told you before the podcast, people have said their dating life, they've gotten closer with their mother or whoever their director was. But truly, again, the friendships is something that you will have that lasts a lifetime. And that's what a bunch of I had done a recording last night, a friend that I met from another pageant. So truly, I 100% agree with your statement here. But I would like to say again, thank you so much for being on the podcast episode tonight. And you know, whatever happens in the future, guess you'll have to check out next week on another episode of The Crowning Moment. Bye, guys.